There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal. Hey, John. Hey, gang. It's Lauren. And I know a case that is going to drive you insane. So I'm from a tiny town called Southport, which is about 45 minutes south of Wilmington, North Carolina, towards Myrtle Beach. Now, there's not too many cases around these parts, but there is one about a police officer killed under very suspicious circumstances next to an old lighthouse. The DA ruled her tragic and spontaneous death a suicide, but as you'll see, there's some undeniable foul play involved. At least, that's my opinion. Any doodles, y'all are my favorite podcast, Seriously Obsessed, Love. Lauren. Hey, you cool cats and kittens. And this time, Nicole's drunk before we get started. Um, that's usually me, but mm-hmm, since I mm-hmm. am either recovering or regressed back to my coronavirus symptoms. Tonight, we're doing a special request for Lauren. Hey, Lauren. Hey, Lauren. She came and saw us at our show. That's right. Oh, my gosh. Remember the days when we used to hang out with people at, like, shows? I can't wait to do that again. All right. So tonight's episode is for you. Surprise shots. Surprise shots. We don't know what they are because they're a surprise. That was me on the bongos. With accompanying solo by Nicole. Pecan liquor. All right, tonight's story is for you, Lauren. It is a murder or suicide, and we can all decide which one it is here in a little bit. And I have my opinion on the case. And everyone else in the world probably differs with me. Good. I like those stories. Oh, I'm not sure if they differ with me on this. I don't know. I don't know what anyone else thinks. I'd like to know what you guys think. All I did was research through newspapers and online sources. I didn't look at anyone else's opinion. Tonight we're going to Bald Head Island. It's in Brunswick County, North Carolina. It's by the Cape Fear River. Now, golf carts are the only thing allowed on the island. Cars are completely forbidden. You want to guess the population of that place, this island? I think it'd have to be less than like 300 people. The population is 158 people. Wow. A very interesting thing about this island is there was two movies actually filmed here. Weekend at Bernie's was completely filmed on this island. I've never seen Weekend at Bernie's. Me either. It's supposed to be like a cult classic, right? They have multiple, don't they? And also The Butcher's Wife, a lot of that was filmed here. I haven't seen that one either. But Baldhead Island is notorious for... The Old Baldy Lighthouse. And this thing is incredible looking. Prettier than the Sullivan's Island one. It's built with red bricks, but the sides of the lighthouse are covered with sand and lime, which makes it kind of look like concrete. Hmm. Yeah, it does. Baldhead Island used to be a very popular hideout for pirates. A lot of the tours that go there now, people just want to see where... Blackbeard hung out. So that's like Bald Head Island Hmm. in a nutshell. It's very, very small. You can't, there's no like bridges onto the island. You have to get there through a ferry or your own private boat, which is going to make this story very intriguing because for a killer to get on the island, he would have to take his own boat or a ferry. Keep that in mind. This is a dispatch call that came in from Officer Davina Buff Jones. Show me out with three. Okay, it says show ten four. Show me out with three. Stand by, please. Stand by, please. Now she's talking to somebody. She says, "Quote: There ain't no reason to have a gun here on Bald Head Island." Okay. Bald Head Island. Okay. 
Come on, do us a favor and put down the, and then it cuts off, and then. She's murdered, from what we know. Davina or the other? Davina, the officer, the police officer is murdered. So here's how this. Oh, I assumed it was the person that was holding the gun. I'm sorry. So here's how it works with this island. The town provides employees, which includes police, paramedics, and everything. Now, there's only two people at a time on this island as far as police. And they do shifts. I mean, it's only 158 people. So, you know, and they do shifts there. And this was her job. She's actually been there for 10 months. I'm going to get to that in a second. If you want to read this, this is from the Asheville Citizens Times, Friday, October 29th, 1999. Officer death clues remain elusive. Investigators say they don't yet know who killed police officer on this small exclusive island where some suspect the death was the suicide. Officer Davina Buff Jones, 33, was shot once in the back of the head last Friday night near the Old Baldy Lighthouse on the island at the mouth of the Cape Fear River. This is from her partner, her police partner, calling back to the dispatch asking for immediate Rescue service. And said 10 12, and then her radio keyed up, and I could advise, hear her advising someone to put the gun down. There was no guns allowed on Ballhead Island, although I can't make contact back with her. 4205, you're advising you need rescue? I can be rescued now. 10 there and now. Let me run through the events of what happened with this murder. Okay, so Officer Keith Kane gets to her location about an hour after this incident happened. As soon as he hears the call, he gets into his SUV and he drives down there. And this is a very, very small island. So, I mean, if you think of the islands around here, they're huge compared to this. Yeah. From the police headquarters on the island, which is right dab in the middle. It's like a liter- it's literally a trailer in the middle of the island. He gets down there to the old Baldy Lighthouse. He sees Davina's police truck. The parking lights are still on. The engine is still running. This is at the west end of a little alley. Okay, is backed into a dead end and is dead of night. Because if you think about 158 people, you know, here, and it's October, it's almost Halloween. A lot of the people that have homes there, they're their summer homes. So a lot right. of people have already left. So it's literally pitch black. The truck was backed into this dead-end alley. Nobody out there in sight. Pitch black on this island. Her flashlight was sitting on her truck seat, even though the responding officer claims that she had never, ever got out of her truck without the flashlight. Because, number one, there's no house lights or street lights or anything. It's pitch black dark. Why would she be out walking around? I mean, there's gators out there. Question. So you know how you said that there was 158 people or something like that? Is that peak season? 158 people live there. That's the population. Hmm. The population of people so that live there. Probably a lot less at this point in time. There's a lot of tourists that come in throughout the summer and do these tours, well, but there's 158 houses on this island. Got it. Or less. Population 158. Got 80% it. or maybe it's 90. I can't even remember the number. It's 80 or 90% of this island is undeveloped. And they keep it that way for a reason. Right. So there's probably, I mean, when you think about October 29th, you're getting into the winter. So if there's 158 people on that census that probably live there during the summer, it's kind of like, you know, Martha's Vineyard, Nantucket, other island areas or Sullivan's Island, La Palms. This is way richer than those people. Because you have a very exclusive island. So these houses are. There might be, there's probably half the number of people actually there at the point, this point in time. Detectives later found blood smeared on the tailgate of her truck, which I'll get to in a minute. Let me show you a picture of Davina Jones. Go to talkmore.com to see these pictures. I'm also putting the 911 dispatch call up there. This is her right hmm. here. This is Davina Buff Jones. That's her her that's her and her two Australian shepherds. One of them is named Lord Adam and the other one is named Precious Queen. Those are Some weird names for dogs, but okay. She was lying on her stomach. This was in the cul-de-sac, like I said. Her head was turned to the right, and her right cheek was laying on the pavement. 
the Glock 40 that the police issued Glock 40 that she used was underneath her right hand. She had no cuts, no scrapes, no defensive wounds and no bruises whatsoever. On top of that, there was no gunshot residue on her uniform. There was blood smeared on the tailgate of her truck, like I said, and there was no fingerprints on the gun. So going through the timeline of Keith Kane, the responding officer, he shows up where her truck is. Now, this is right by the old Baldy lighthouse. He actually opens the door of the lighthouse, which was already kind of a jar You know, it usually is shut, but he kind of pushed it open, shines his flashlight in there, sees nothing. He walks back out, turns to the left, and in that cul-de-sac, what he he sees what he thinks is a pile of dirt, which that pile of dirt is Davina. Hmm. What kind of bullet was discharged that 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 what kind of bullet shot her? Was it similar Hmm. to the one from the that would have been discharged from the police gun? The Charlotte magazine writes, quote, the 40 caliber slug tears through the officer's skull at nearly 700 miles per hour, shattering bone and ripping gullies into tissue. The shot was fired from the officer's own gun. That's what numerous tests Hmm. found. And they found that it's nearly a perfect match that that came from her pistol. Okay. Interesting. What you're looking at right now is the report from the medical examiner. Now, this is the first report. This one is completely inaccurate, which I'm going to get to in a second. The investigation was completely rushed and completely boshed. Do you see where the bullet wound is? Mm -hmm. Yes. Behind her what? Her right ear. Her right ear. That wasn't the true location of the bullet Hmm. entry point. This is the redacted version I just had to say, even on that one piece of paper, it looks like it was contradicting, like the, like it looked like one point was higher and the other one was lower on that Mm. one report. Yeah, it's it wasn't perfectly. See, yeah, you're right. You're definitely right. What you're looking at right now is the redacted version from the medical examiner. This is where the bullet actually was. It's dead center in the back of her skull. A lot harder to do if that's. From yourself. So if you were to commit suicide with your own Glock 40, you'd have to put it behind your head somehow. Their theory, as I'll get to in a second, was she took two of her hands, she held the pistol, and then she went behind her head, and the gun was upside down. That's a very awkward thing to do, though. Like, that's not natural. She would have had to have really, really purposely tried to cover up her own suicide. The wound was to the back of her head. Dr. Charles Garrett was the regional medical examiner. He believes that it was self-inflicted. He claims, and I've seen this in multiple sources, that he has seen cases involving people shooting themselves four times in the back of the head. What? Which it sounds freaking ridiculous, and I guarantee you that's not correct. But I've seen that in multiple sources where he said that. But that can't happen. Like, that's not the typical. Like, that's not the norm when someone shoots themselves. He said he's seen cases, plural, that people have shot themselves. Maybe two. Like, like, this is not a thing that can possibly happen. That's what he said as a medical examiner. That's what I'm giving it to you. That sounds like something that the medical examiner from the great state of Arkansas would say when Bill Clinton was governor. The bullet traveled at an up left trajectory and it went inside her skull and lodged in her brain. Okay, she was dead instantly, obviously. What questions do you guys have so far before we move on? I mean, so far, doesn't look like a suicide to me. I mean, I've heard of people being shot in the head and not dying. But when you put it right to the back of your skull... Like- Cent- I mean, center of the head, especially in this this newer version... Like that's at the that's like at the base of the oh. yeah like the spinal cord like no no uh uh-uh. uh no way this case is currently divided on whether people think it's a suicide or a homicide this is from former chief Karen Grasty she believes that this whole thing was a homicide and Davina has gotten no justice. Former Baldhead Island Police Chief Karen Grasty, who has been investigating the death on her own, also harbors doubt that Jones, 33, a rookie officer, killed herself last October. 
Something isn't right about this death. From what I see, it's not a cut-and-dried suicide, said Gratzdy, a police officer for 17 years before she retired in January. It's not a cut-and-dried suicide. This I mean, is someone she's... that's been on the force for 17 years, and she is the poli- the former police chief. Also, she's going to fake that phone call? What you just read is from the Charlotte Observer, Tuesday, May 23rd, 2000. And this is another article with the other side. This is the district attorney. This is the former district attorney that overviewed this case during the time. His name is Rex Gore. If you want to read this. Brunswick County District Attorney Rex Gore announced in December that his investigation concluded Jones shot herself. Last week, he said that he hasn't changed his mind. It's pretty clear that it's a suicide, he said. Mm, Is it, though? Is it? I mean, I think it's strange that someone would fake such a phone call like that or like a police, a radio in the position of the skull. Like if you're going to shoot yourself in the head to then have your to put your hand, your both hands behind your back to shoot yourself dead center. That's an like that's a lot to yeah. try to actively cover up your own suicide. That's true, but maybe it wasn't. I, and I'm not saying either because I need to hear a little bit more detail about what what's going on. But it, maybe it wasn't about like trying to cover it up. It could have been about um, because the access point at the base of your skull. Like I only I never forget there's this movie out there and I think Tom Cruise is in it but that doesn't really matter what the movie is but John thinks a, Tom Cruise is the best actor of all time but the the assassin would like kill people with an ice pick in that exact location because it was an instant death that was painless to them obviously I feel like if you shoot yourself in the head you're you're gonna die instantly barring any other issue but if you do botch it that's supposed to be like a painless this is leading up to the murder this is the same day she ate dinner with her partner her police partner at 10 p.m a call came in about a stolen golf cart near the marina she responded to that and also she makes a call to her ex-boyfriend at 11 19 p.m on a payphone at the marina He actually broken up with her that week. Now, looking into her house, they found a couple things. Number one, they found a next day task list. Okay, Mm. the the family actually found this. So it says stuff like I got to get my prescriptions filled. I got to buy heartworm pills for my two Australian shepherds. I got to get my truck fixed. In fact, she had a scratched piece of paper where she had received a quote from Firestone to replace her shocks for $170. And she had written that on a scratched piece of paper right by the phone. Okay, this was stuff that she's about to do. The reason I'm saying this is because you don't make a to-do list for next week if you're going to be dead. Correct. Mm -hmm. But there was also an empty bottle of Effexor, which is an antidepressant medication Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. in the home. Interesting. SNRI. That's what I take. Hmm. The district attorney at the time, Rex Score, explains the audio like this. And this does make a lot of sense if you think about it. If you are battling depression and you want to take your life, you don't want your family to know that you committed suicide. So what she does is form this elaborate scheme where she is murdered. That way... They don't have to struggle with the fact that she couldn't cope with her own life. That makes sense. That's the thinking behind of why she did that. This is him talking to a reporter, Jennifer Carpenter. She's from the Carolina Week. And when you look at the evidence, it's it's just not it's not there. You've got you got two state medical examiners who say it's suicide. You've got a state psychiatrist who's reviewed the file, says it's suicide. And that's what the state's experts say. Well, I think the case is solved. And you have to base your feelings about what happened on the evidence that's in place. It points to a decision that that she was not murdered, that she chose a different path. I can I can see that. I can. Absolutely. 
But I have never heard of a suicide where someone's gone through those great of lengths to make it not seem like a suicide. This is from the Charlotte Observer, Tuesday, May 23rd, 2000. This talks about the dispatch call that you guys heard earlier. They analyzed the sound and found no other voices present on the transmission. Gratzky ordered the transmission analyzed with digital equipment, and the test revealed no other voices, although a piercing squeal drowned out part of what Jones said. Grassy believed the original tape should have been analyzed, but Gore said there was no indication anything further could have been learned from such an analysis. Let me tell you about Davina right quick, and maybe this will help clear up some things for you. Number one, she was 90 pounds. So if this was a homicide, it's very easy to kill a 90-pound woman. I mean, she is not even 100 pounds with her police equipment and her vest on, correct? She's very tiny. She's small and very tiny. The former police chief, Karen Grasty, told the Charlotte Observer, quote, D was so tiny that you could pick her up with one arm. She was also very outgoing and gregarious, is what the father said. And she was an extrovert. She liked to hang out with people. She liked to, you know, be involved in the community. He also said that, quote, you just had to like her and you couldn't help but to like her. Both of the parents, mom and dad, explained that their daughter, that she was a middle child, is friendly, extroverted, but also equally sensitive and can be hostile at some times. And sometimes she gets sullen and withdrawn. In school, she's a tomboy and she becomes kind of bossy from what her peers would say. Now, here's going into the realm of suicide. So who thinks it's a homicide? I do. I don't not think it's a suicide. She has a pretty long history of suicidal ideation. Mm -hmm. In eighth grade, her sister walks in. She has a belt looped around her neck and she's sitting on the bed. Now, she's not trying to hang herself at that moment because there's nothing to hang herself with. But it's almost like she's contemplating it. And she's in eighth grade this time. That was the first real shocker for the sister and the family. While she's a student at West Charlotte High School, she swallowed a bunch of Tylenol pills to the point where she had to get her stomach pumped Mm -hmm. by EMTs. Okay, so you can see a history of depression and suicidal thoughts here. Between 1994 and 1998, she received outpatient treatment for, quote, adjustment disorder with mixed emotional features and chronic depression. Doing a little research about what that diagnosis is, the National Institute of Health described adjustment order as, quote, an emotional and behavioral reaction that develops within three months of a life stress and which is stronger or greater than what would be expected for the type of event that occurred. Okay, so she is going through a lot. And this is 1998. Remember, she died in 1999. And what happened right before she died? Do you remember? Broke up. Her her boyfriend broke up with her. In March of 1999, just a few months before her death, she was prescribed Zoloft. But about a month before her death, Dr. Keith Reschle changed that Zoloft to her new prescription of Effexor. Which, if you change a pill like that, it could have, you know, it could bring a host of problems. And I know being a veteran and having PTSD, I definitely understand that. Not only that, but Zoloft and Effexor are two different types of prescriptions. Zoloft is an SSRI, and like I said, Effexor is a SNRI, and it could it they do two different two different things. Hmm. That's a big, ke- I mean, just any, like anytime you were, are to change prescriptions like that and antidepressants, like you got to be careful. You can't just change the dosage or change the SSNRI or the SNRI. You can if the patient is experiencing, I mean, one of the side effects of antidepressants is increased suicidal thoughts. So mm-hmm. if she's having a hard time, the, the breakup happened around the same time as the prescription change. Is that correct? 
I think the prescription was just a little bit before, but around. I mean, but, like, but close. like she's so yeah. she, so she's having these these thoughts, and then they she, she changes. They, she already she has the adjustment disorder. You change the prescription because maybe you know it wasn't helping her the way that she wanted to change. She wanted it to, so they changed to try something else, which does happen pretty frequently. Mm-hmm. They have a different type of medication that does something totally different mm-hmm. to your body chemically, and um, it, and and a breakup on top of it. Within a five to six year period before her death, she had been to her psychiatrist 170 times. She actually told Dr. Rashley that she wanted to, quote, walk out into the ocean until she couldn't swim anymore. Mm. Now, the doctor, you would think, you know, why didn't he report this? Because it's a risk to herself or someone else. But he considered it a low risk of suicide because that's not really saying she's going to kill herself. She's just going to go out into the ocean until she can't swim. Maybe she's going to come back in. That You know, that's kind of his thought. I mean, obviously, if he knew that this was going to happen, he probably would have said something. But he wrote in his report that it was a, quote, low risk of suicide. And he's the expert. So they probably had to do some sort of suicidal risk assessment at that during during the time when she made that statement. That's not something that they would just brush off. He probably did some sort of yeah. assessment. The police career. Now, she was she was new on the force to the island. She was only on the island for 10 months, and she was really stern, which which kind of uh, teed off a lot of the people. Because, uh, you know, you have the very wealthy people that live there, and they're driving their golf carts drunk and high and, you know, all over the place, speeding and all kinds of shit. You know, I mean, because they're kind of secluded. They probably walk mm. around butt-ass naked. And she was... I would. She was there enforcing okay. the rules more than the previous police officers have done. And she was writing tickets to wealthy people for a lot of stuff, for just petty stuff. And But that's the way she was. Well, was the police like a Paul Blart mall cop or were On they an like, like that, real yeah. cops? No, I mean, do, yeah, they're real they cops. Just like if you go down to Sullivan's Island, they're real cops. Yeah. But do they... Do, Not do, a lot of traffic. Do they investigate homicides? No, there's never been a homicide yeah. here. You know, so the town manager, like I said, the guy that hires, he had about 40 employees, including the two police officers, also EMT, stuff like that. His name was Wade Horn. This is what he says about Davina. Quote, I thought she would be a good police officer. She had the credentials. She was a little inexperienced, but I thought she was a good person. That's coming from the Charlotte Magazine, an article they wrote called Shadows by the Sea. I'll link that on Talk Murder. Now, as I said, she was single at the time. She had Her boyfriend had just broken up with her a few days before this happened. This is turning out to be like the Phoebe's fall, where at first I thought there's no way that it could be a, you know, suicide. Mm, I'm turning. I'm turning. One friend that she called for comfort said this during the Industrial Commission hearing. If you want to read this. She simply stated that she would just go for a swim in the ocean and not come back, Hewitt testified, at the Industrial Commission hearing. She just said that she'd messed everything up, that she had messed up her personal life. So that quote, now that's not the psychiatrist, but do you see the similarities about what she told her friend and the psychiatrist? Mm -hmm. About the same. So she was obviously suffering. Now, she was being treated for depression. By the time she was 30, she's been divorced already twice. Maybe she feels like she doesn't deserve to be loved. In 1994, she was charged for simple assault. No, 1999 is the murder date. So 1994, she's charged for simple assault. She actually spit on the mother of her then husband's child. So her husband's child's mom. Her like her her husband's ex wife or ex girlfriend or whatever it was mm. she spit on her that ain't good yeah and got an assault a simple assault charge for that now at the time even on this small island she was having trouble with work now these police files have not fully been released yet so it's hard to get these minute details that I really want but she filed a sexual harassment complaint against Baldhead Island. 
because one of the town employees had touched her in an inappropriate way. That is one of the things I would want to, if I was the investigator, research more of that. Agreed. Mm -hmm. 100%. Someone has a motive. Now, this is kind of sad. This is the father right here, and his name is Loy. I'll show you a video of him in a minute, and I'll also put that on talkmore.com, but if you want to read this. This is from the Asheville Citizens Times, Tuesday, May 31st, 2011. I spent a lot of money on this, and if I had to do it over, I'd sell my house and spend that money too, Buff said. After 11 years, I finally found someone who cares about justice. Brunswick County District Attorney John David said that the first step will be to look at over the investigation. We are committed to going wherever the truth leads, he said. I feel strongly that the victim's family deserves to have the answers to what happened in this incident, regardless of the cause of death. The investigation was botched from the very get-go, and the DA immediately filed this as a suicide. There is clearly more to the story than that. So eventually, once this guy, Rex, gets out of office, the new DA comes in, and he reopens the case for the family. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the botched investigation real quick, because it's awful. I often find out the hard way that all IPAs are not created equal. Some are hot bombs that forget about flavor. Others only taste good if you drink them with a heavy meal. Fortunately, Founders Brewing Company has found a way to enjoy an IPA anytime and at any occasion with their all-day IPA. You can taste the hops, of course, but it's the complex array of malts and grains that make all-day IPA a beer that will grab your attention. Whether you're relaxing after a long day at work or hanging outside with your friends, all-day IPA will become one of your favorites. It's one reason why Founders is in the top 10 of the nation's craft breweries and a staple in my fridge. When you taste all-day IPA, you'll understand how they got there. Look for Founders in your favorite beer store or check out their full line of beer and now hard seltzers too at foundersbrewing.com. Founders Brewing Company, born and brewed in Michigan since 1997. At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. This happened on a Friday night. Remember, it was 1139 or whatever on a Friday night. In fact, you can see the police report where it says the timeline. I'll put this on Talk Murder, but last known to be alive, 1139 p.m. So this is the official police report that came out of that. Here's the investigation. This was a Friday night. On Sunday, because this is a very touristy place and you know, how does this little town, this little island make money? Tourism? From tourism, right. Dad and weddings. Ah. She kills herself at the lighthouse. About 50 feet from that lighthouse is a chapel. Uh-huh. And on Sunday, what do you do on Sunday? You get married, and there's a lot of people coming. Saturday, but okay. On Sunday, there was a wedding that was scheduled at the chapel. It was literally next to the old Baldy lighthouse. Now, this is the moneymaker for hmm. the island. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not saying anyone did anything nefarious, but I'm saying that this could have been rushed because of the wedding on Sunday. Trying to psh, psh, brush it under the rug. We got money well, to make here. Brush is not really the word. I would use the word taking a fire hose, which is what they <laughs> did, and sprayed off the pavement <gasps> of the blood. Oh, oh my gosh. They immediately <sighs> took the body. They moved the body. So you think about the initial investigation. This is 1999. It's not like in 1930s. You go up to a body, you know, and if you're a yeah, detective or a crime scene yeah. investigator. There's, you know, DNA at this time. I know I said that island police don't have homicide experience. But when a fellow officer kills himself, both the FBI and the state police get involved who do this a lot. Homicide cases all the time. They are the ones that handle this. So they moved the body from where it was. They trampled all over the evidence 
And right after that, literally the same night, they took a fire hose and they washed off all the blood on the asphalt. And the reason is because there was a wedding the following Sunday, which was almost 24 hours. And and you can't do a wedding with 100 people with blood on the asphalt. I get it. That was really screwed up. I'm just saying that was really awful. Yeah, that ain't good. I read a report that some of the town folk were relieved, if you will, that it was a suicide. Because what is a what what is a murderer running around a small island due to your property values? D tanks it. It tanks it. That is why the regional medical examiner probably said that the suicide was highly possible. You know, because they have a lot at stake here. They have the economy of the entire island. Not only does about. it, not only would it decrease the property value, it would also like bring fear among the residents and tourists. Yes, they if there's a murderer at large, it would totally crush the economy. Even if it is in October, you know. Oh yeah, because I mean that that sort of thing is going to linger. The industrial commission report. Now these are things. They did two reports that came out. This is after the case was reopened because the family, the mom and dad, they were really adamant. The father, I'm telling you right now, hated the former district attorney. Mm. In fact, here is a quote from how much he did not like him. This is him talking to a reporter, Jennifer Carpenter. She's from the Carolina Week. I'll die telling him. That he is a coward. Because the the former district attorney came out immediately, said it was a suicide, close case, everything else. In fact, Gore said, quote, I am satisfied that Miss Jones was killed by her own gun and by her own hand. He lists in his report no credible suspects, even though there were, as we later found out. A bullet from her own gun, which is true. The path of the bullet combined with a, quote, hard contact gunshot wound were both consistent with suicide. This may not be a big issue. It wasn't for the family because they said it multiple times. But if an officer on duty, on duty, gets killed or dies in action somehow, the family does get entitlements, pay, stuff like that. So, but when an officer commits suicide on duty, no entitlements exist. Mm. Did the family not fight that? They did fight that, but they weren't fighting for the entitlements. So they could care they could care less about the money. So they they felt... want to bring justice to their their daughter. You can really tell if you watch the video. You could definitely tell they they don't <sighs> give a shit about the money. So they believe that their daughter though was murdered. Yeah, they believe the daughter was murdered. I'm still I'm still the jury is out for me. I don't Yeah. I don't I haven't decided yet, but if it if she were going out of her way to stage a suicide, that almost makes it worse for the family to think that there's a like to think that there's a murderer out there and they're trying to find justice for her, which she deserves if she was murdered. I'm not saying she wasn't murdered. I'm just saying it, it like like they want to find justice you know, you don't want your family to know that you did it and and your but your family thinks that, you know, the it's just it's just a sad, sad situation, I think. From the from the Industrial Commission report says, quote, the disturbance of the site where Davina's body was found and the disturbance and contamination of the crime scene make it impossible to make a definitive showing that the manner of death was suicide. So I think it's really divided on if people think it's suicide or a homicide. One of her sisters, Tanya, states, quote, none of it makes any sense. None of it. And then she revisits the voice recording that you guys heard earlier. She says, quote, she was scared. She was honestly scared. And that's her sister. She knows her best. And I think that the whole gist gist of the case really lies on the on the cleanup of the body like it it doesn't sound like it was respectful at all regardless of what the situation was like you didn't allow a thorough investigation for anything like the medical examiner overestimated both the height and the weight of davinia they also didn't mention a ruby ring that she was wearing on her left hand and i read in one source that she had bought it for like a birthday present for herself. It looked kind of like a wedding ring. But the medical examiner put it 
aside and he marked it as police property. Like police, you know, just the part of the uniform. It's like he kind of, I'm just showing you that he rushed, the medical examiner rushed it. He wrote none where medical history was, which obviously if being, going to, going to the psychiatrist 170 times, Mm -hmm. you know, none is not sufficient. Because mental illness is just as real as heart illness. He wrote a four page report that was factually incorrect. The doctor drew a circle behind the right ear like you guys saw earlier, which was not even the entry wound of the body. It was in the center of the forehead. Later, he would blame those mistakes on a lack of sleep and rushing. The report was finished on October 23rd at 6 a.m., so six hours later. Mm. But, you know, there was a wedding that was taking place on that Sunday, so you got to rush it. I have a question. Was the ex-boyfriend who they had just she had just broken up with or he had just broken up with her was he ever named a suspect i don't know they never released any of the damn suspect names but i doubt it because go back to the day go back to the night she killed herself she actually called him on the phone and not only that she was really distraught over it he has no motive to kill her he broke up with her in fact on october 20th that could be still be a motive though in fact, on October 20th, one of her ex-boyfriends kind of fling on and off. His name was Scott Monzon. He is also a police officer. October 20th, this is two days before the murder, if you will. She calls him and tells him to come over because the boyfriend had just broken up with her and she needs to talk. He got there and she was plastered drunk. She was you know, slopping around. She was falling around the house. Her Australian shepherds were trying to get out of the way. She was just completely hammered. He says that that is not like her. She doesn't get drunk like that. That's never happened. He leaves, but she follows him to his house without him knowing until he walks in the door and then she's right behind her. He talks about it like she is stumbling in the door. He actually gets her back home and has to get a police buddy to make sure that she stays at home and didn't try to drive again. Now, on the murder day, Friday, October 22nd, she calls Monzon again, quote, she asked me something to the effect that no matter what happened, no matter what lies ahead of us, would we still be friends? And then he replies, and I told her yes. I still felt she was a good friend, even though both of us had said things and done things we probably regretted. Less than an hour before her death at 11.39 p.m., she calls him again, and he says she was acting, quote, uncharacteristically quiet during the phone call. He also testifies, quote, if you knew Davina, you'd know she was loud. When she was happy, she was loud. She was talkative. Her voice wasn't as loud as it normally was. Okay, question so far. You guys still think it's a homicide or a suicide? I am still, I'm borderline. I was totally homicide before, but now I'm borderline. Well, I'm trying to get through the facts because there's a lot of stuff on this case. And then we can talk about the call because I think the call is very important. Yeah. And there's some other stuff we need to get, but I'm trying to rush a little bit because there's a lot of stuff that I have to get out there. The father arguing with the DA the whole time until he leaves office. And then the new DA comes in, opens up the case again. There was a commission hearing that took place. Three people similar to her size and stature try to recreate the positioning of the handgun, basically putting it behind their head and trying to pull the trigger. In the report, it said it was awkward and, quote, strained maneuvering. July 19th, 2004, the father receives amazing news. The Industrial Commission ruled that his daughter did not kill herself, and Mm -hmm. it was, in fact, a homicide. Really? Whoa, This This completely changes the whole narrative of the case. Yeah. This right here is from the Charlotte Observer, Monday, July 4th, 2005. In their appeal review, commissioners heard additional evidence from Washington Clinical physiologist Alan Berman. The Buffs hired Berman, who specializes in suicidiology, to conduct a psychological autopsy of their daughter. 
Berman found no motive for a planned suicide and no evidence of impulsive behavior, or that Jones was of impulsive behavior, the Industrial Commission opinion states. Witnesses who spoke with Jones the day of her death testified that she was in an upbeat mood and her behavior was not unusual. Quote, the determination of suicide is very unlikely, that ruling said, and the commission finds that the plaintiff has proven by sufficient evidence that her manner of death was not suicide, but rather by homicide. Now, now, what does this do? They basically ruled this a homicide. That makes the state liable for those entitlements to the family I was talking about. Mm-hmm. So immediately they started paying entitlements for her death because she died on duty. Well, that's good. Not by her own hand. But, and this is f- fucked up. Sounds like the something state, the would do. The state appeals the decision. Yeah, of course they did. It is, is awful. I don't even want to know who who decided to do that. But <sighs> another industrial commission of new people, new judges, came into play. And in 2006, they also ruled this a homicide. So they penalized the state, basically, and made them Double its previous award, upping the amount to $50,000, and the Department of Justice awarded the Buff family an additional $147,000. And they said in the report, quote, despite the extensive investigation effort, there were some prime suspect leads which appear not to have been pursued in the SBI-led investigation. That report focused in on some major questions with the botched investigations, like the lack of fingerprints on the gun, the absence of a suicide note, and the the report states that this lends credence or support to a homicide theory or at least help raise significant doubt about a self-inflicted, elaborately planned death. I'm struggling with this one way more than the Phoebe's fault. Tell me where you're at right now. Because now is the turning point, and I need to ah, right I, now. Like, I am honestly, like, half and half. I, it, and before, like, when it came to the Phoebe's fall one, at first I was into murder, and then I was like, nope, 100% suicide. This time, even with her history, I'm still, like, 50-50. And that's because we haven't really talked about the ex-boyfriend. And, and maybe, maybe... The ex-boyfriend didn't do it. Number one, you got to understand. To get, I don't know. You got to understand this. To get on the island is a pain in the dick. You have you can't just drive I on get that it, bitch. But you that have to take that, a ferry. That or, doesn't mean that the person there's no one on the island that can murder her. I understand that, but I'm pretty sure the ex boyfriend was disqualified. He had an alibi or something. I don't know because they haven't released the documents. But I do want to go over this right quick. This tells you how much of a piece of shit that former DA was. Rex Gore actually pleaded guilty in August of 2013 when he was, remember he left office and then the new DA, John David, he actually brought up the investigation again. Mm -hmm. This guy, the former DA, he pleads guilty to allegations that he conspired with the assistant DA in fraudulent travel and bursement schemes. He got 18 months probation. So this kind of tells you what type of guy was working on this homicide case. This right here is from ABC Eyewitness News 11. The attorney's been arrested on fraud charges. This is the same DA who was the subject of a recent I-Team investigation. He's been accused of covering up the death of a police officer oh. on Baldhead Island, ruling her death was a suicide, despite the fact that she was shot in the back of the head, and despite state and federal judges ruling it was a homicide. I-Team reporter Kelly O'Hara in Brunswick County to show us why that DA has been indicted. A former district attorney here in Brunswick County has been indicted on a conspiracy charge. And one family says they are not surprised. And they've been accusing him of the cover-up of their daughter's murder. I hope they put him in jail. That's the father. He should be there a long time for what he's doing. Lloyd Buff says he's been waiting for justice for too long. Justice for his daughter and against the former DA. He did a lot of bad things as a DA. The new DA, as I said, John David, he actually conducted eight separate reviews of the death, all confirming homicide. 
Okay, that's big because a lot of judges and a lot of people with, you know, way more experience than us podcasters have said it was a homicide. Keep that in mind. What's the motive for a homicide? And it wouldn't be the boyfriend. Think about what other case would be like this, a cover up, you know, something like this. Not in this state, but maybe kind of a Bill Clinton-ish state. Drugs. There you go. One week before her death, she tells Carol Baskins. (laughs) Fuck you, Carol Baskins. One week before her death, she tells her father that she would be investigating drug trafficking on the island. She wanted to go undercover, and a lot of her friends warned her not to. This is from the the guy Monzon, the uh, police guy that you know he went she went to his house and stuff quote she told me several months before she was killed she got information they were making big drug deals down by the lighthouse (laughs) which is exactly where she was murdered monzon tells it to a private investigator in 2000 quote not quarter bags kilos big suitcases of money were being transferred a few months before the murder the da actually calls the bald head police and ask for surveillance help for a large package of cocaine that was found on the island. They were basically wanting to survey, see who picks it up. Now, was it Sonia Ferret? She also took all the drugs. That's what I'm saying. She was coming to pick it up. This is 10 years before. I'm just going back a little bit. A vacationer on early morning, this is in 1988 in August, he was jogging around, do-do-do-do-do, I love them sea turtles, I like them little, what is it, a crow or a dove? Or that's a crane, (laughs) whatever the fuck. I'm just jogging, ain't coronavirus out here. He's running through the tall grass, and off the side, kind of in a marshy area, was a pillowcase. And for some fucking reason, he decides to pick it up, which is great for him because it had eight kilos of cocaine in it. It's worth $3 million. Whoa. So now he's rich. I'm just kidding. He turned I'm, it in. <laughs> unless you, ha- I mean, as long as you can sell it. Remember that, that so one documentary on Netflix? Fucking snorting coke. <laughs> that one thing on Netflix was amazing. Did you ever watch that one, Jen? Cocaine Island. I think it was no. what it was called. Oh my God. So good. All right. There's one other avenue that I need to go down real quick before we talk about this. Is it Electric Avenue? This is from the Charlotte Observer, Monday, July 4th, 2005. It says, also, new evidence in the case surfaced last year, Lloyd Buff said, the father. He was contacted by a Fayetteville man who said that on October 22nd, he was on Baldhead Island near the lighthouse. The man said he heard a loud boom and saw three men in a golf cart hmm. without the lights on, <laughs> leaving the area according to a notarized statement taken last August by the father. The father believes the men in the golf cart are the same men who came over to the island on the ferry with Jones. All three Hispanic men mm. are illegal aliens with lengthy criminal records, mm. he said. Now, these suspects were ruled out apparently how i don't know and if they were ruled out they're illegal immigrants what happened to them did, did you know what i'm saying they went away. Deported. no i doubt that it, they didn't do a thorough investigation on this case at all this case needs to be relooked at in my opinion anyway what i forgot to mention earlier is her on the way over to the island on the ferry she actually told three men to pour out their alcohol. You know, she's a police and they were drinking. Yep. Mm. And these may have been the same ones. Now, it does make sense that they were illegal aliens, not aliens like Roswell, but illegal immigrants. If this is a drug transaction spot, even though the former DA says there's no drugs ever get dropped off here, they'd be the perfect people to, you know, mitigate that because they have no, there's no record of them in America. There's no like fingerprints of them or whatever. So they'd be perfect for that. So this could have been an execution by three drug Mm. traffickers. And it sounds, it sounds really plausible, especially with the statement from the Fayetteville man that said he was at the lighthouse, you know, walking around there and he saw these three men leaving. Yeah. You know, it it sounds really likely that this could be because at first I was like, man, this is definitely a suicide. I don't know what these people are talking about. But then I was like, you know what? 
I, let, let's go back real quick, if you guys don't mind, and let's listen to the call one more time. Because I had to listen to this a few times. Knowing everything you know now, tell me what you hear in this call that she makes. Right there. 10-4, show me out with three. What does that mean? Okay, I looked that up. And the only, because I typed in show me out with three, all this stuff. The only thing I could find that is pretty conclusive is a Reddit post by a police officer. That, well, 10-4 means affirmative, right? Like, yeah. Like, so, okay. Yeah. But I'm talking about the show me out with three. So, questions. This is from Reddit, protect and serve. Questions about how police respond to a call. This guy, now I, I don't, he's unverified. I don't know who this is, but I was trying to look up why someone would say, show me out. Those three words, mm-hmm. show me out, because I wanted to link that with the three people. I can't speak for all agencies, but at my department, we get dispatched to a call, and all we say is 10 4, show me in route, show me, mm. show me those two words. So she goes, show me out. With with three three su- three people three yeah. people three yeah. people yep exactly it makes sense now that those three people were spotted leaving on the golf cart that really does make sense with all this case yeah. that is the reason I really do think this may be a homicide yeah even though the whole the whole suicidal ideation and the yeah. the pills and everything she's taken really flip it around I re- I don't know it's crazy anyway let's let's do it. To to fake this, why would she fake this? The only possible motive for her to fake this is to give her family some sort of closure about how she died. Or but financial. If she would have thought about it, if she would have thought about it, which I'm pretty sure she did, then she would have came to the conclusion that. Not knowing who killed her would stress the family out even more than her killing herself. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because if you fake it, they're going to be looking for a killer. And when they can't find one, the father's going to be stressed out. Mm-hmm. And plus, it doesn't. I mean, to come up with this is really elaborate. You know, yeah. I mean, there's other ways to her to kill herself. She literally could have walked out into the ocean, like mm-hmm. she said, mm-hmm. and it would have been a drowning. Mm-hmm. To do this is. Kind of ridiculous. Is her depression a coincidence in this story? But here's the thing. Let's go back. And and I, I you guys didn't catch this earlier, but I said there was blood on her tailgate of the truck. Yeah. I was hoping you guys caught that. How did that get there? That was actually from the officer that responded to the call. He checked her pulse and everything else and then kind of rested his hand on the tailgate mm-hmm. to make his dispatch call. But... All we have is this transmission right here, and then you hear it go out. But what what is this noise? It sounds like a fire truck. What? Or a radio It sounds feedback. like a fire truck. I don't know what it is. Or an ambulance or something. It's it, not, I mean, it sounds, this like is a... completely out in the, in the, no one, there's no ambulances out there. It's like, no, but that's what it sounds like. It's like some weird feedback. I really think they should put this and get it analyzed again. At the end, it sounds, you can hear a crack, like a, like a shot, but, hmm. but, but it's, it, it's maybe the volume was so loud that it be- produced that feedback kind of like how on the Beatles on a hard day's night when they had the the guitar resting there and it made that first sound <sighs> chord no like meh, and then it starts oh, a song yeah. and no one else can produce it because they don't know what chord it was because it was just feedback so maybe it was mm. feedback from the gun I'm very torn on this one more mm. torn than I think I've ever been mm-hmm. I'm going homicide it's a stretch to believe that she went to all that trouble, all of that. Yeah. I mean, people people do that, but not not that. That's just excessive, you know. Yeah. And it, you don't want anyone to be suffering that much to have to to hide that. Um, probably was a homicide. All right. Well, thank you, Lauren. That is a great request, and I hope um I did it some justice for you. 
So if you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit that subscribe button on whatever podcasting app you use. If you like this story, you can follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. If you're absolutely obsessed with this podcast and want to become our body, go to talkmar.com slash join. Become a Talker Supremo. Get a badass t-shirt, sticker, swag, a lot of love. Shout it out all over the place. Tell me what story you want me to do. I'll research it, dedicate it for you on the Talk More to Me podcast. My name is John here with Jen and Nicole. And until next time, good night, you lovely, lovely people. At Huntington, we've been asking ourselves, can we make saving money any easier? And we think we've solved it. Introducing Money Scout. It analyzes your spending habits, income, and expenses to find money not being used in your checking account, then pushes it to savings automatically. Why would a bank do that? Just to help people thrive. That's how we reinvent banking. Huntington, welcome. Subject to eligibility, terms, conditions, and account agreements. Learn more and enroll at Huntington.com slash Money Scout. There are so many reasons not to skip breakfast. So many savory, mouth-watering, tasty, delicious beyond all belief reasons. Actually, that last one was pretty convincing. Stop by for a McDonald's breakfast. Mix and match a sausage biscuit, sausage McMuffin, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Any two for just two bucks. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.